Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Austin and I were uh, just talking about uh, Zoom meetings off the air, Gordon. Are, are, have you had your fill of Zoom meetings yet? Are you, like at the beginning of this whole thing, it was like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Now it's like uh, another Zoom meeting. Yeah, I've been doing quite a few of them. and uh, But it's, you know, I mean, it's good to see folks that you're not seeing on a regular basis. So I, I can't complain too much about that. Fair enough. It's better than uh, not being capable of that, I suppose. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, he, of course, is one of my co-hosts for Jazz pre-half and post-game. He's also former BYU assistant coach, our good friend Tim Lacombe. Tim, how are you? My goodness, guys. It's been forever. I know. Doesn't it feel like it's been so long? I mean, that that night in Oklahoma City, Tim, now feels like uh, years ago. Yeah, I'm seriously like three years ago. It's <laughs> it's it's crazy. How are you and yours? Everybody doing okay? Yeah, all is well. Um, just you know, like everybody else, just trying to figure out what normal is and kind of gravitate toward it. Is it true that uh, that your wonderful wife went uh, had a viral video? Is that a thing? She did, man. How did she, I miss uh, this? Probably because you aren't on. Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, seven million people saw it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so, uh, Austin told me about it, and I was like, I can't believe I missed this. That's a huge what, deal. What, what did she do, Tim? Well, early on in the quarantine, she thought it would be cool to. We have a ton of like kids in our neighborhood, and so she she sent an email out to everybody every house on our street and uh, it's kind of a a cul-de-sac and so she sent out a video basically saying hey let's do a quarantine neighborhood quarantine dance and I'll drive down the street and give she gave everybody like 30 seconds and then she just went from house to house played a song she told them what parts they'd have they all kind of did a um you know their their choreo their own choreography, and she just drove on the street each house at a time, and it w- it ended up being crazy. I, I mean, it was funny because we she put it on her Facebook, and so it wasn't like meant to go crazy, and it just took off, and it was really fun to kind of watch it um, go from a couple hundred thousand, wake up the next day, you know, it was pushing a million, and then it did about a million a day for. Uh, near a week um and it from all over people from all over the globe reached out and it was really cool so kind of a fun kind of a fun uh thing that happened during all this you know madness too bad you didn't get a buck for every view i know i I, you know how many times i said that gordon i know (laughs) if it would have been you you would have you know you would have figured that out i'm not as you know, I coached for a long time, and the old adage is those 
can do and those that can't coach. <laughs> so um, fortunately, I'm out of that now. But uh, yeah, I wish I would have consulted somebody like you that has just got money flying everywhere. Oh, and I'm yeah, just yeah, jumping yeah. in on. <laughs> Tim, Tim uh, speaking of the things that you can do, shouldn't you be? Uh, at, shouldn't you have been? Uh, reuniting with your band uh, along about now and uh, doing some uh, some hard rock? Yeah, we actually, you know, the, the 50th birthday is coming up, and we actually had a we had a, a big old party planned that you guys were all going to come to in a couple weeks, and unfortunately that's been postponed to TBD, as they say in show business. <laughs> um, but we actually, you'll get a kick out of this, we actually... There's an app online. Uh, we all had to go out and figure out how to get really fast internet, but we practice weekly. Um, I'm here, and then two of our members are in Dallas and two are in Austin, but it's like we're in the same room. It's pretty freaking amazing. So mm. we're we're going to be really tight by the time it happens because we're practicing weekly um, just from afar. Let's talk a little basketball, Tim. Are you are you like the rest of us and watching this Last Dance documentary? What are you taking away from it? Oh man, it is. You know, it's really cool because um, I've got a 21 year old son that really, really never got to see Michael play. Um, and you can do all you know. You can watch old games and you can talk about the old times, but it is so awesome to have uh, what I feel like captures just the essence of what that team was about, what he was about. Um, you know, you talk about somebody that was just so competitive. Um, and it's just, it's, it's actually been really cool to share it with that, with, you know, younger generation, but also at this time to be able to look forward to something sports oriented once a week. Um, and like those two hours, I don't know how it feels for you guys, but those two hours feel like 30 minutes. Um, I get, I am so into it. Um, and just try to take little nuggets out of it, man, that you can apply to your own life and find ways to to do things better. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's my big come from, is I think I'm just amazed at the drive um, and the the competitive nature of that, of, of Michael and then that team. We were talking, Tim, earlier about uh, about the whole production and how Jordan had control over what went in and what was left out. Do you want to know the whole truth, or do you just want to uh, to fly over from a distance and uh, go ahead and let it sort of be a, uh, a Michael Jordan fan show? You know, I, I, I would prefer the whole truth. I think that the unfortunate thing about that, unless you lip something, uh, unless you're right there, you probably never know the full story. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting because I think there are little pieces, uh, you know, I'm sure Gordon is a journalist, you're, you know, there's so, so many things, assumptions that you can make by just all the little clues that you get, you know, where he sat, you know, and my, my favorite part of last night was practice got over and he went out and was just grabbing dudes and he had a golf match to get to. And he's sitting on the bus honking and telling Phil to hustle. And I mean, there's so many things that you can just take from all that. Um, I, I've heard bits and pieces 
you know, from friends who played in the league, and there's kind of a code that you don't talk about certain things. But man, I, the the actual real story would be unbelievable to know, um, and it would be, you know, unfortunately, you'd have to be there to really see it and get it. You know, what you just said there, Tim, reminds me of a story that Rick Riley told about Pete Rose. He It was like one of the first stories he was doing for SI. He went to Pete Rose's, he met up with Pete Rose, and he went to his house. And uh, or he was with Pete, I think, when they arrived. And his he, the way Rick described it is that uh, Pete's wife was at the door, and she was very Natalie attired, looked beautiful, and she, like, extended her hands out to give uh, her husband a hug, and Pete just kind of brushed her aside and went straight to the TV, turned the TV on real quick to check the uh, NHL scores, I think, something like that. <laughs> and, and and Rick said to himself, man, this guy really likes hockey. <laughs> I think he's really... probably checking the scores, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. Probably the same reason Jordan was in a hurry to get out to the golf course, you know. Well, Not necessarily no for the joy of the pure hit, rather the uh, the joy of uh, doing what Jake does to me when we play golf and uh, beating, beating, you know, stealing hamburgers from me and stuff. You know, it's funny, I'll share this because um, Randy, I follow Randy Reed on social media, obviously the old BYU grade, and his dad coached at BYU and then went on to Phoenix to play, or excuse me, to coach uh, with Danny Ainge. But he shared a story last night about uh, being his dad being over in Hawaii at a Nike retreat that Michael Jordan spoke at. Charles Barkley was there, and Roger was coaching the team at that time. And so uh, they passed each other in the lobby um, the night, uh, one evening, and uh, – Charles said, hey, do you want to go golf tomorrow with me and Michael Jordan? And Roger's like, ah, I would love to, you know. And so he's like, well, okay, we're going to go at this time. And he says, now, you do know it's 10,000 a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger said, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to go. Uh, but that was some story. That was a story that Randy shared last night. So you can imagine it was the numbers that were flying around and the way he kept track of who owed what. Um, we all got friends like that. And, uh, you know, for me, I just like to go out and play and maybe have just kind of a fun little bet. I'd be more like the front of the playing guys playing a dollar a hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim Lacombe is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon and I were chatting about, you know, kind of a, an obvious question that comes out of watching all this is how would Go- or, uh, Michael Jordan be in today's game? What what would be different? And thought you would be an interesting person to ask that because, of course, you were around Rick Majerus, who was – uh, the most traditional, right? I mean, a very traditional coach. And you were also on Dave Rose's staff with Jimmer where, you know, he had the ultimate green light. So what do you think Jordan's game would look like today in today's day and age? Uh, I think, you know, if anything, it would probably be more, he'd probably work more at, at being a, you know, the three-point shot being as big as it is now. Not to say he didn't shoot it and didn't use it, but, it's just way bigger now to the kind of the scheme of the game, but I, I don't know that much would change. He uh, he was one of those true guys that could score from all three levels, um, and 
most importantly, and there's been a whole lot of talk about it, you know, Magic and Larry were talking about, don't get too close to Michael. And we all lived that. We saw it, right? We, we, uh, cheering for the Jazz during the, the Jazz's run, that frustration of any kind of, you know, any, put it this way, if, if Michael would have been Charles Smith at the end of the Knicks Bulls game, there would have been seven fouls called on that play. <laughs> um, so, you know, he was just, he was indivisible. And I know there's all sorts of generations that say that their, their guy was the best. I mean, you can go back to Oscar and, and Bill Russell and you go down the list, Kareem and Magic. But for my money, um, you know, watching and being a big time history buff of the game, I just don't think there's anybody that made the impact that he made on the game, took it to where it went. Um, the one thing last night blew my mind was Nike's uh, projection. They wanted to do $3 million in four years on his shoes. And in year one, they did $126 million. And I think that just says it all. I mean, he just, he crossed all barriers and, you know, he did such a great job, even with all this craziness going on in his life that, like Gordon said, we'll never know the full extent. He, you know, he was the poster guy for, for everything. You know, he wanted to be like Mike. You know, you go get a McDonald's, you drink Gatorade, you wear his shoes and his jackets. And, um, and it just was what he did across you know culturally i just don't think you'll ever see anything like it again tim lacombe is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 the zone uh tim what do you think about this harms kid uh, byu is landing from purdue obviously huge right that's both from the you know the fact that they they went out and and beat teams that you typically don't see uh, byu beat on the quarter in recruiting uh, and then he's just he's his size, his sheer size, being a really versatile seven three guy. Um, I've only watched him here and there, uh, so I don't know his game great. But certainly, going to a place that will, you know, give him a ton of leeway. I think that one of the things I would imagine he chose BYU is because they'll allow him to step out and be versatile. Um, a lot of comparisons drawn to a Porzingis. Um, but I think I really like about him seems to be a really gritty, fiery competitor. Um, and in my mind, a, a great acquisition. You know, I, I'm always leery because hype always tends to, to cause way too many expectations that maybe don't get reached. And I would say, I mean, I, every single news show, I've watched the last three or four days. There's been either a mention of him or a or a clip of him or an interview with him. And so I would imagine the expectation is that he's going to come in and lead this team to the national championship. Um, and so there's always a double-edged sword there. But, man, a great get. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they work him in because they've got good big players. Colby Lee had a hell of a year. Um and Gavin Baxter coming off an injury is really an athletic guy that can play. Uh, and then Harward sat a whole year. He's a guy they really were high on from UVU. So they've got a pretty big stable of guys that are probably expecting minutes. Um, and I'm just glad I don't have to field the phone calls and talk to parents and tell them why their kid's playing or not playing. That's their job. 
So beyond the expectations that come with uh, this kind of signing, uh, what about a player who is looking for, as you talked about, the opportunity? Why didn't he get that opportunity at Purdue more to his liking? I know there were some injuries and some other things, but his playing time was uh, lower than you might expect for a, a player with this kind of potential. Yeah, it's always interesting because a transfer always has – there's always a story that goes along with it. And, you know, part of the process is trying to figure that out. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we actually, when we were at BYU, in fact, the last couple of years, they told us not to recruit any grad transfers. We had a real difficult time getting them into school because the expectation academically. And so obviously a couple of things have changed. They've been able to be more aggressive in that market. But we did get um, L.J. Rose to come from Houston. And L.J. was, uh, at one point, I think his, his junior year of high school, he was the number one uh, point guard recruit in the country. He ended up going to Baylor um, to start and then transferred to Houston. Um, and, and, again, there's always, like, that's the stuff as a coach you got to kind of have to patch together. Um, sometimes it's style, sometimes it's mentality, sometimes it's, you know, coaches' uh, confidence in somebody. And, and so uh, that's always something that's interesting about a transfer. It's, you know, people will say it all the time. There's there's these transfer things, they work out really, really well sometimes, and sometimes they, they don't work as well. Um, but at face value, this looks to be like a situation that would uh, favor him just from a style of play standpoint. And then a guy like Coach Pope, who, you know, he played in the NBA, and he was kind of a fringe, talented NBA guy that stuck. And so he, he I would imagine he uses that in, in recruiting in terms of selling kids. Like, I can help you uh, understand how to give yourself the best chance to play at that level. And I would assume that, that you know, that's part of the reason that, that connection was so good. Tim, it's great to hear your voice. Thank you very much for jumping on with us as always, and we're very happy to hear that the party hounds are still working and sounding as tight as ever. Yep, so when that thing, um, you know, when that happens, I expect you guys to be there. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. We're going to have a blast. And, and, uh, Gordon, let's, uh, let's hook up one of these days, you guys. Let's go grab some lunch now that we can do that. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll wear a mask. I know you guys will be worried about me. I'll wear a mask, I promise. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. You're the man. See you guys. Great to be with you. Mm -hmm. Tim Lacombe. Uh, our good friend, part of our jazz coverage uh, here on the Zone Radio Network, uh, also former BYU coach uh, as well. And always fun to have on the show and talk to him and certainly get his perspective. Do you miss his mug? Oh yeah, man! I, Tim's the best. He, he's uh, he was a lot of fun to work with this year, and I already had his birthday party on my calendar. I was already yeah. preparing. He's been uh, he's been uh, getting ready for that sucker for a while now, and it's uh, it's a bummer we got to move it. And of course, uh, according to your rules, he should have to forego his birthday celebration. But I'm glad to hear that he is he's gonna do it anyway when uh, when we can. Yeah, here here. You ever seen Tim in a bad mood? I haven't. No, he's he's a pretty. Tim's an interesting mix because he's very entertaining, but he can be somewhat um, subdued at times. So he he's like a good counter puncher. You know, he'll he'll be there, and then then he uh, will uh, you know he'll dodge a punch, and then boom, he's got one, a good one, a zinger. You know, 
and it's really entertaining to talk to. I mean that in the best sense. I wasn't. Jeez. Chris, uh, Thanks for coming on, Tim. You subdued. Party <laughs> uh, what type of boxer were you, Gordon? Uh, I, I jabbed a lot. You know, I had a, a wicked left hook. Left hook? Mm-hmm. Aren't you right-handed? Yes. But I developed uh, that left hand pretty good. Did I you? had a speed bag when I was a kid. Did Is that because uh, you, you broke your hand in a fight but still had to work on the docks? <laughs> Someone had to keep those grounds at yeah, the, right. the DuPont estate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They called me Cinderella, man. You still had to, still had to put food on the table. You know, work at the docks, <laughs> hide that that broken hand. Develop, developed your left out of necessity, and and came back a a, a different fighter. It's so funny the parallels between fiction and real life. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. Funny How enough. was Max the Bear Bear? Was he as bad as that movie made him out to be? <laughs> Seemed pretty what mean. a jerk. Didn't they make him out to be such a jerk? Wow. Huh. All right. Uh, we'll have more coming up next. We've got a Mountain America market update at 350. Chris Mannix at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And Mark Eaton will be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Here we come. Walk down the street. Get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we're monkey around. But we're too busy singing. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much. For making us a part of your day, uh, we've got uh, Chris Mannix coming up top of the four o'clock hour. We'll do what's going on, Gordon, at four thirty. Mark Eaton will join uh, the show at the top of the five o'clock hour. Uh, uh, eager to talk to Mark. Uh, what did you think about uh, Louisville today, Gordon? Uh, being served a notice of allegations from the NCAA, including one level one allegation involving improper recruiting offers for former signee Brian Bowen. Um, and some other things, but this basically uh, is further fallout from the FBI investigation that now the NCAA is moving in uh, to punish the school itself. Any any thoughts on this? Or well, I have uh, I have split thoughts on it. The first one is that uh, you know how I feel about athletes, uh, college athletes uh, should be paid, and so from that perspective. I don't have a big problem with guys getting some bennies, but on the other hand, I don't like to see. I'd like to see it spread even across the board, and uh, I think Louisville uh, is dirty and has been for quite some time. Yeah, I I think so too. I I guess I'm I'm glad to see. You know, some stuff came out in that FBI probe. Maybe not uh, you know as groundbreaking or earth-shattering as as some folks were hoping for, but there was plenty of information about things that are against NCAA rules regardless of whether they're against the law or not. And we have seen uh, certain people go to jail over over this, but at very least what uh, what Louisville and others, Kansas, Arizona, at very least what they were doing was certainly against NCAA rules. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm glad to see the NCAA hold uh, some accountability for some programs. I, I hope that uh, coaches suffer some consequences for their actions, and it's not just the people on the shoe side which have kind of borne the brunt out of this, although we have seen some assistants go to go to jail too. 
But certainly what Louisville was doing, I mean, regardless of what Rick Pitino knew or did not know, uh, it was certainly against the NCAA, NCAA rules, and they should be held accountable for that. Yes. Uh, I, the rules have to be applied evenly, and right now it's so out of whack. It just seems like it's the wild, wild west out there. And again, and, you know, we talked about it last week, uh, the the uh, rules going forward for in image and likeness and that sort of thing. And they left the shoe companies out of it. You know, the yeah. biggest source of corruption, they they basically left the rules in place. So they could get their cut. So they get their cut. Right. Because they like those those checks. And, and actually, you know, how much of the head coach's salaries come from the shoe companies? A lot. Remember, you never saw Rick Majerus anywhere without one of those ugly Reebok sweaters. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they don't want to uh, they don't want to eliminate a revenue stream. Well, I mean, why would they do that? So, of course, they say, oh, be, and my favorite part of it was that they blamed the behavior of the shoe companies. They said, you know, they haven't uh, proved themselves to be, you know, a worthwhile and honest partner. It's like, oh, that is ridiculous. But you'll still take their money. No. You still have no, no problem saying yes. Uh, we'll we'll take your money. No problem. Just, I mean that that type of hypocrisy does bother me. Regardless of of our stances on amateurism and that sort of thing, Gordon, that hypocrisy does bother me. That's well, the, Jake. That's the sweetest yeah. plum, right? Yeah, yeah. I hate amateurism. Pay those college <laughs> athletes. <laughs> well, well, just to remind people of your your stance there, Jake. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, that's great. If you're going to pay, radio's not linear, right, Gordon? Make those payments as yeah, make those payments as uh, even as possible. We don't know anybody who went to Louisville around here, do we? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, jazz star. <clears throat> that no, nobody, Louisville. nobody who might have benefited from any kind of shoe or early shoe signing or. You know what? You know, and this actually gets back to a theme of of the Michael Jordan documentary. Is you know what? As long as Donovan Mitchell plays well, nobody around here is going to care. <laughs> And that's it's the thing a, with they, like the the Michael Jordan's behavior is so bizarre, and especially looking back on it, you look back at how bizarre this guy was. But during the time, he he could do whatever he wanted because he was so good; it didn't matter. Jordan rules, right? And so you know, I, I we're talking about Donovan Mitchell because he has a connection to Louisville at this period in time. Uh, Adidas was all over the FBI investigation, and and Donovan Mitchell's uh, you know with Adidas. I I don't know you know about those relationships or or even pretend to know but i i know one thing as long as he's still good in a utah jazz uniform people around here certainly will not care one bit that gets back to the question that we asked earlier would you if your if your team could win uh, a championship uh, either a conference championship or a national championship and they were somehow seen as being less than pristine in doing so, would you care? I think you're right, Jake. I, I'm not sure that fans really care. They would care if they got busted and had the title stripped. That's when they care. I think fans see see the Donovan Mitchell thing is is the Jazz and Louisville are not related. You know, yeah. you can you can cheer for. I mean, I think college fans who are proponents of their programs being clean do care how their the their teams are perceived. You know, success you or choice, not. You could either have the success and be a little dirty or not have the success at all and be clean. Which do you think they would pick? I think you'd get responses from across the spectrum. Yeah, probably so. 
I don't I know if there's a. I mean, maybe the majority would say, "Ah, who cares?" But it certainly would not be unanimous. It'd be. But far here's from the re- here's the reason I think that so many people wouldn't care is because they think it's so prevalent and prominent anyway. Right. If you can't beat them, join them. That that sort yeah. of mentality. Yeah. But I don't think everybody has that. I mean, yeah. Lance Armstrong was still. Uh, was still for the way that he denied, 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 and and approached the whole thing. Like, I mean, that whole sport was dirty, but people still cared, right? Well, the way that that happened with it was so many, like you said, so many denials and people sticking up for him, and then come to find out uh, that that'll come back and bite you in the butt. People were not okay with steroids in baseball. They're still not. I mean, they still talk about the steroid era and they're going to leave players out of the Hall of Fame and this and that. I mean, so just to say, like, you know, as a sports consuming public, we just turn our back on anything if it meant our team's winning. I don't think that's true. Mm. <laughs> no. Well, maybe if you get caught, it's not true. But if you don't get caught, I think it probably is true. What about the reaction to steroids like I brought up? Uh, well, if you have someone, if you have a team that you're a big fan of and some guy's hitting bombs left and right and he's not caught, you think your average fan wants to dig for the truth on that or is he going to celebrate? I I know a guy named, uh, we'll call him Coyd Lowell, who's a big fan (laughs) of the San Francisco Giants and does not believe at all to this day that Barry Bonds cheated. Right, right. But we're not really, we're, we're talking about overall. We're not talking about one wingnut fan like Lloyd. We're talking about... Oh, excuse me. Mm, Coyd. Uh, we're talking about people's attitudes towards cheating overall. And I think the I think the steroid thing is proof that, that we do care. Do you think that the Astros uh, using their methodology is uh, substantiates that? 100%. And I... Yeah. You know what? The, the most fortunate sports organization during this whole thing has got to be the Houston Astros. Because they were going to get raked over the coals on every single road trip and deserved every bit of it. Because, yes, 100% they cheated the game. Absolutely. And they should. They, the, the players, for sure, should be held more accountable than they have been so far. Absolutely. Well, they haven't been held accountable at all. Right? <laughs> right. So anything, I guess, right? But I don't think we're okay yeah. with cheating in sports. Maybe, again, individual fans or individual fan bases are more okay with it than others, but I don't, I, don't think we're, I don't think we're okay with it. Well, that's a nice way to think. I, I just don't know in private if you took an anonymous poll of fans and they said, uh, your team can win a national championship, but they have to you know, play fast and loose with the rules a little bit, but they will not be caught. Will that bother you? I'm thinking maybe 20%. Would, would, would be bothered? Yeah. I don't know. I bet it would be higher than that. Do you? Yeah. Well, that'd be a good thing if it, if it were true. All right. We'll have uh, more coming up right around the corner. We've got a Mountain, Mountain America market update. Chris Mannix will be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. What's going on at 4.30? Top of the 5 o'clock hour, Mark Eaton will be with us. So it's a very busy day on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned. Chris Mannix will be with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Mark Eaton's going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Excited to talk to, to Mark about what he remembers about the the day and age of MJ's emergence. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Gordon, he's made an appearance already on the on the Last Dance docu-series. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, was when he was a young a young player at the time, but uh, but uh, he. Uh, what, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember what his comment was? Uh, no, I I was trying to yeah. remember that too. Uh, but it was, just, it was about to, it was about uh, the idea that a uh, one player can be more oh, important right. than a team. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, all right, Gordon. But right now, of course, it is time for another Mountain America market update. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services. So you, of course, is our good friend Chad Wadups with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chaz, happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Uh, it could not be better. Coming off a, a nice weekend and weather, weather is certainly beautiful outside. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the market. We know uh, Friday uh, last week didn't end so well. How did it open up today? Well, today opened up uh, a little flat. The overall broader market eked out a pretty meager gain, just a fraction of a percent. We were much lower earlier in the day, though, so there was a recovery towards the end. Kind of a, a positive-negative mix on the positive side were large technology companies. They did quite well today. On the negative side, the airline airline stocks struggled again. They're trying to figure out how to deal with all the reduced travel in our country currently. It seems like there are these big gains for certain groups and these big losses for others, and that probably is just the way it's going to be for a while, right? Yeah, it will. With the impact we're having with the virus, you know, there are certain companies that actually do better in that environment. There's some that, that really struggle. So uh, do you have a tip for us today, Chad? Yeah, I do. I'd love to talk to your listeners for a second about what we call a recency bias. You know, my son is 10, and he believes, like a lot of 10- and 12-year-olds across this country, that the Golden State Warriors are the best team there ever was, right? We call that a recency bias, and that's where our recent memories are given a little more weight than distant memories. Uh, The same thing happens in the market when we make our investing decisions. Our recent market gains lead to higher excitement, higher expectations, whereas market losses can lead to suspicion, some caution. And why does that matter? Well, if we're making our investing decisions based on only what's happened recently, we might be prone to making some poor decisions. So if we can better understand the behavioral side of all this, how we think about the markets, how we make investing decisions, hopefully we can make uh, better decisions, be better investors. Chad, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. That's our friend Chad from Mountain America Investment Services. That was your Mountain America market update. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible. Recency bias, Gordon. Got to guard against that. Yeah, that's what I've always said. You know, the longer you live, the more frame of reference you have, and uh, it uh, tends to extend over a broader period of time, which is uh, one of the real virtues of being old. What uh, What's the opposite of recency bias? Because <laughs> that's what you have with the Lakers. Nobody uh, in the 80s. Nobody will ever stack up. Not true. 
Uh, but uh, I, I don't know what you would call it. I call it perspective. <laughs> you call it perspective? That back in the we call it back in the day syndrome. No, everything I, I know was what better you're back in the about. day. Yeah, that's and I get tired of that too. Come on, I mean, I lived through a lot of that period of time, and it really wasn't as great as some people like to make it out to be. But uh, I, I think it's good to be balanced. Okay, all right. But but as we've talked about this whole Jordan thing, uh, that uh, it does remind the younger generation. Uh, who may have missed this as it was happening about that greatness. Because, he I mean, say what you will about all the other stuff. This guy was a phenomenal basketball player. He just was. And so it's good for people to be, uh, to, to be either reminded or learn for the first time that this happened, uh, as opposed to just falling absolutely in love with LeBron James and thinking he's the best even without having – uh, that frame of reference of which we spoke to, to uh, in a comparative sense. It, it is tough with the NBA because things are so different. You know, would, would Wilt have been as great in today's day and age because people are taller and people are bigger and the game's different? And yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's so far from being able to compare apples to apples. You and know? that's why it really isn't fair, Jake. It's not. We, we like to do it. And we all fall victim to it at some level. But really, yeah, everything changes. Uh, And and when it, not everything, but a lot of things change. And it is really hard to compare. You know what I liked about, uh, I can't remember, it must have been episode five from last night, where Magic complaining that Jordan got all the calls. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's because you you forget how Jordan was James Harden before James Harden. I mean, he he got every call. He got every call, but he did a little differently than... Than James Harden. Well, he didn't uh, flop, but he still got every call. He didn't extend his arms to get hacked on purpose. Uh, he uh, he was <laughs> he was difficult enough to cover, so guys were just beating him up left and right because they couldn't cover him, not fairly. He even so got calls had, in the All Star game, Gordon. So they ended up fouling him instead. Uh, as far as Harden goes, he he is uh, he's putting his body in positions. So that it will appear as though he he was fouled, and I, even though I agree with you completely that Jordan did get the benefit of a whole lot of calls, it wasn't quite as blatant uh, in my the way I see it. I just don't like star treatment. Period, and you know, Jazz fans can't really complain about Jordan calls because Carl Malone got every call. I mean, every not time, every call, every, Jake. well, not every call. <laughs> that's a good point. But I mean, every time, how many, how many times do we see it, especially late in his career, where he'd hit that turnaround jumper and got a whistle for no reason, pretty much every time he took it. <laughs> I don't know if it's every time, but and nobody, know, this... nobody got away with um, stripping the ball when the other player was bringing it up, like Carl Malone. That's a foul on the rest of the league every Unless time. Unless it's Jordan <laughs> stealing the ball from Malone, <laughs> right? There you go ahead. Unless it's Jordan, Bavetta, although all although Malone was pretty good with that uh, with that chop, and he a lot of times he did get the ball. Yeah, Jake, he was, he, he was hater. Gifted. I know, what do you but have against Carl Malone in the no, Jazz, no, 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 but that's an automatic call whether you get ball or not for everybody else. Never thought you were such a Bulls fan. Jake. No, I'm just I just don't like star treatment, <laughs> and I did not like it with Michael Jordan. He did get every call. That's a reminder. Yeah, he didn't get every call. He got a lot of calls. Though. Oh, I'm sorry, literal Larry. He did not get every <laughs> single call. Forgive me. What are you? What's your point? Uh, that's the whole reason he hit the weight machine, 
and he really bulked up. You saw how skinny he was early on in his career, and he and the the, the Pistons used to just smack him around, and he said, "I've had enough of this. I want to I want to be able to withstand this beating and go to the line as much as possible." <laughs> Well, if it the was NBA just a saw of, their he, money, he and didn't we got to protect that. Didn't get every <laughs> single call. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but he bulked up so that he could make those shots because he wasn't going to get the call every time. Otherwise, he just would have practiced his free throw shooting. Okay. I did unless, like it that he unless he, he got broken half in the meantime. I did like it that Michael turned around and joked with Buck Johnson about not trying on defense or never having played defense anyway. Because that was <laughs> hilarious and accurate. <laughs> oh, whatever you say. Magic couldn't shoot and didn't play defense. Those are two big parts of the of of basketball. I really liked when he told him it's the nineties now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh, man, those guys—they are gifted smack talkers, aren't they? Man, they got the trash going left and right. All right, we'll have Chris Maddox joining us coming up right around the corner for your NBA Daily Assist. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.